the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I got Ken by my side today. Morning, Doc. He's in good health, even though Roger P. had a little bout of the old COVID, and Ken had to take over. Ken's all worn out for that. He was doing the news, he was doing radio shows, and now he's back here with me again. Oh my I even God. found time to come and see you this week. I'm telling you, you're going to have to get a B12 shot, dude. <laughs> Speaking of shots, has everybody got their boosters up to date for the COVID? Because what, you know, what, What's recommended now? I don't even know anymore. The bivalent, uh, the uh, both Pfizer and Moderna have the bivalent. We have both Pfizer and Moderna, but really the Moderna's got a little bit more kick to it. They're they're the same. They're both the uh, messenger RNA, so the end the end result is exactly the same. But uh, some people think that well, I got the Pfizer, so I'm going to stick with that. It doesn't really matter. But the Moderna's easier to keep, Ken, because we can put that in our minus twenty degree refrigerator freezer. Uh, but the Pfizer, you have to put in minus 75, 80 degree freezer. And and if you have a power outage, well, guess what? <laughs> you got about a thousand doses that are no good anymore. Yeah. Well, where are we supposed to be? I mean, if you've had your third booster, are you considered up to date? Well, I'm telling my older patients and my sick patients every six months, they should get a booster. Uh, even though the death rate and the hospitalization rate are are pretty low from, from the uh, Omicron variant, uh, We've still seen a couple of deaths here and there, and I had one patient, but she was at death's door anyway. She had, uh, I probably talked about her before, she she had end-stage pulmonary fibrosis, which is a, uh, a disease of the lungs where you fibrose all around the little alveolar sacs, and then they can't expand, and uh, you get sick, and you eventually die. You, there's no cure for it at this point in time, and she was pretty sick already, but uh, she came in the ER one night and was really in distress. Oxygen levels were half of where they should be. We ended up intubating her, and we treated her for a few days, and then uh, we realized that it was it was a hopeless situation, and the family had expected some of this. But, you know, Ken, you still have to stop and think about yourself. Do you have high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, diabetes, uh, lung problems, you know, bad asthmatic, COPD? you're at higher risk, even though the Omicron generally does not affect the lungs. It, it's it's upper airway mainly, but still you can, you can have secondary infections. You can have the inability to clear your secretions and uh, get other lung problems going on. So, so with some pre-existing conditions, you would uh, recommend every six months. Yeah, in older patients, people over you know people over sixty, sixty five, because our immune uh, systems don't work like they like they did when we were younger, and we end up dropping our antibody levels uh, much faster. So, about every six months, you you should probably get a booster if you're my age. It's still free. It's still free. 
and the uh, the Paxlovid is free too. So if you do have the virus, well, that's you, good stuff. The Paxlovid. Yeah, you can you can take that, and that's a five day course. It's an antiviral, and uh, if you're if you've tested positive at home and you don't want to come in the office, you can have a telemedicine with me, and we'll send the prescription into the pharmacy, and you can just go pick it up. It's free. And I'm at 727-384-6411, There you go. Yeah, well, I'm glad we talked about this. We haven't updated this in a while, so yeah. So I, mean, I got sick of talking about it, but you know, it's <laughs> it, it, it's good to remind people. It's still out there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's still going around. I mean, a lot of people I know have had a bout of it, and uh, we've treated a lot of people the past few weeks, including Roger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including Roger P. He sounded pretty good when I talked to him Thursday, so. That's good. Hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. So I wanted to talk a little bit, and I'll go back and forth between medicine and and, uh, news, but did you see the SVG bank crash, the Silicon Valley Bank? Yeah, I did. Um, You know, people are talking about about this, and they're saying, well, what happened? Fascinating. Excuse me a second. I heard they were um, kind of a... A little short on the withdrawals. Somebody was kind of, it was essentially a run on the bank. Yeah, they ran out of cash. What happened is that uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, they had about $60 billion in deposits. And then uh, by 2022, they had $200 billion And they were like, well, what are we going to do with this? And they thought, well, T-bills and uh, mortgage-backed uh, government bonds and Government securities would be a good place to put our cash because it's safe. So let's say they put it in at two and a half percent or three percent interest on those on those notes, those uh, those bonds and stocks, uh, which were very very safe. Well, guess what happened? The interest rate shot up, the Fed rate shot up, and all of a sudden those same notes could be bought now, paying five and six percent. So all of a sudden, they're sitting on bonds that are not worth, and treasury bills that are not worth what they paid for them, because when you go to sell a a bond or a T-bill, you have to discount it for the current uh, interest rates. So if the interest rates had gone down, they would have made a fortune, but the interest rates went up. And so then there was a demand for money. There was a decrease in deposits uh, because there was a decrease in activity. And they did a lot of venture capital startups. And, uh, of course, with the pandemic, a lot of that fell down. And all of a sudden, they're bleeding money. And so they they lost billions of dollars trying to get enough cash to cover their, um, their withdrawals. And then what happened is that since they had invested in lower-paying bonds and notes, they're their money market funds that people, you know, go to the bank and put their five or ten thousand dollars in there in their checking account, uh, that dropped uh, relative to the rest of the market. So people said, "Well, I'm not putting my money in that bank. I'm going to put it over in uh, in uh, United American or whatever because they're paying higher rates." So then they lost uh, deposits, and then they thought, "Well, we'll just uh, float out some more." stock and see if we can get some money back in. And guess what? That devalued the other stockholders' stock. And all of a sudden, the investment companies were saying, get your money out, get your money out. And there was a run on the bank. And they ran out. 
they flat ran out of money. Perfect storm. Perfect storm. And, you know, you you think, oh, we're being really smart and we're being really safe and we're going to have income coming in. And then it comes around and bites you in the butt. You know, so just goes to show you, it, it's the economy is more fragile than we think. And the Wall Street Journal panel of experts that they poll, uh, several hundred academicians and economists and so on and so forth, they think it's over 60 percent think we're going to have a recession. And, of course, they've been saying that for a year. And they said, well, it was going to happen in the third quarter of 22 and the fourth and now the first and second quarter. And actually, I think we are contracting a little bit. Yeah, but jobs, we just had a new job report out at the end of the week and jobs were up like 300,000. Yeah, but uh, how many how many did we lose? That's the question. I mean, you got companies laying off and uh, pulling in their reins. So we'll see what happens. It's a tight labor market right now, and uh, that's putting pressure upward on, on commodities and goods because people still have some money in their pocket. And so the Fed's going to tighten up even more. They're raising interest rates, and uh, that's going to slow everything down. And at some point, they'll break. They'll hit the break-even point in somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. And if you don't hit that break-even point perfectly, which is called soft landing, guess what? You go into a recession. That's right. You go into recession. So there is a prediction that we're still going to go into recession. And some people say, well, we already are uh, in in parts of the economy. We already are in a recession. So it it's a big mess. And uh, I don't think that federal spending is going to get us out of this mess. I think federal belt tightening is going to get us out of the mess and uh you know bringing home the the domestic the industries that were formerly domestic but now they're over in in china and the orient and different parts of the world well how do you do that how do you convince them to come back i mean it's all about cost it's all about cost well i think that you have to have incentives i think that trump had the right idea i don't know how much he, he actually got back but um, you forgive debt, you uh, supply no tax zones, you uh, have incentives. And, uh, and do, you, do, you go the, do you go the other way as well? Do you punish? Do you tax for like per person you're hired outside of the country? Well, you can do that. And the, uh, you know, the NAFTA bill that uh, insisted that if you're going to sell goods from Canada or Mexico in the United States, there has to be certain uh, uh, percentage that's made in the United States and the Mexican companies that want to do business have to pay the same wage as the American companies and the Canadian companies do because otherwise you'll you'll see everybody going south for cheaper labor. Exactly. So there there are some things that we can do, but whether or not the financial community, the business community is ready to to do that, I don't know. You know, they they're making a lot of money off of cheap goods from the Orient. Yeah, and but it, I think I think Apple was spooked a little bit. They, they're cool. pulling out of China a bit. They're building more plants here in the U.S. Well, I think that's smart, and I see Elon Musk is moving or is starting to move out of China and into uh, Southeast Asia and Indonesia and all that. How that that's going to work out, I don't know. But uh, and he built that big new plant down in Texas, and he's building uh, uh, a new battery plant, or they may have completed it already. Uh, so he's got uh, he's got the right idea. Uh, how fast can these companies move? That's the question. Can right. be, yeah. you know they're they're big you know they're big monsters. I mean, you can't just all of a sudden one day close down a plant and open up another one. 
you know, 500,000 square feet. It takes years. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time and planning. And, uh, and then, you know, we're investing a lot in these electric cars and Ken, I don't think they're sustainable. I just don't think we're going to be able to produce enough electricity unless we go nuclear and, you know, the, the left wing will melt down over that. They'll have a hissy fit, even though we've got these neat little, uh, uh, compact SRMs nuclear, or something they're called or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Nuclear generators. And, and there you can, you can put one in every town of a hundred thousand and, uh, run all the electricity, but uh, that, that ain't going to happen. They're not going to let that happen. Yeah. Large factories could put one in power yeah. their entire plant. You know, yep. Ford could have 10 of them. And if we want to have an electric train system in Florida, we could have, uh, a couple of these units along the tracks, uh, to power it, but no, yeah. Well, I think I look at electric cars the way I looked at eight-track tapes. For those of you who remember eight-track tapes, I think I still have a couple. Uh, right, they were terrible, they were awful, but we yeah. used them because you didn't, you couldn't play a record in the car, so we used the eight-track. But as soon as cassette came out, oh, that changed everything. Bam! No one played another eight-track tape ever. No, yeah. and then that was replaced by compact disc, and now just memory sticks. So we're just on the very early end of what's going to happen in transportation. I think we're all going to end up, to tell you the truth, with some sort of um, power cell like they used to have in the uh, in the rockets, in the uh, Apollo rockets, where you use nitrogen and oxygen and you, you, you get water coming out of your tailpipe, but you get well, plenty George, of electricity. Well, George Bush II, he said that he, he liked the idea of hydrogen fuel best and uh, I've heard that from a few people that are in the auto industry. They say, ultimately, we're going to have to do something like hydrogen. Yeah, it's more gasoline-like. Yeah, well, and yeah, the infrastructure is going to be tough. And, of course, hydrogen is very volatile, but so is gasoline. Gasoline, yeah. Right. We figured out how to maintain and control that. So we can we can do it, but uh, I, I think we're I think we're headed down the wrong road by putting so much effort into, uh, into the uh, – the re- sustainable, renewable, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, fossil, not fossil fuel, but uh, sun and, and wind and solar. I mean, it just, it ain't, you can't make enough. Not now, not, not in this, uh, in this current state of the technology. It would well, help. I mean, all, all electricity helps, but you're right. You can't survive on that. No, you can't survive. And I mean, it's, you know, you're only talking about five to 10% of the electricity in the United States being generated by uh, these two sources, and uh, their efficiency is half that of a of a gas fired or coal fired uh, power plant, and so it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you got to have something that's going to at least be as robust as what we're using now, fuel wise, or it ain't gonna work. Exactly. That's why I think fuel cells are the future. They may we're be, not there yet. They may very well be. Speaking of the future and the present, guess how much money we spent on health care last year? On health care? On health care in the United States. I'll go with $500 billion. $4.3 trillion. <laughs> Really? Almost 13000 per person. And it accounted for 18.3% of the gross domestic product. Of course, it also accounted for a lot of the payroll and the and construction and, you know, equipment and all that. So it does come back into the economy, but still, that's a lot of cash. And a lot of people are worried. You know, half the country is worried about whether or not they're going to be able to afford health care again. 
And I, I think that this is a, a big problem. And we know that uh, the main cost are hospitals. Doctors on, on average about 15 to 20%. Medications have come down tremendously with uh, with the generics. I mean, you can get, you know, you can get antibiotics for five bucks now. Um, you can get your blood pressure medicine for five or 10 bucks for three months supply. Most of them, you know, it's there's a few a few uh, really expensive newer drugs like the monoclonal antibodies that uh, that you're going to pay through the nose for. But uh, all in all, it, it's it's not easy. And, you know, the, the government itself, just the bureaucracy of running these programs, you know, the, the Medicare, the cost to uh, administer that is uh, 20 to 30 percent of the health care dollar for Medicare. Well, that's way too much. Yeah, that's way too much. But basically, this is what the Democrats want. They want to create government jobs and they want to do it on our back. And there's been a big shift, maybe 10 to 15 percent increase of funding into Medicaid. And I don't have a problem helping people who are at the lower end of the income scale. But, you know, there's a lot of people in the middle that cannot afford health insurance, Ken. They can't afford it. And then you don't see them until they're so sick. And and then they're they're scared to death and they're wondering how am I going to pay this off? Well, I, you know I tell my patients and uh, I tell I'll tell you guys on the radio that if you talk to me before you go in the hospital that we can help you negotiate self pay rates. But you got to talk up front. You can't do it after the once the bill has left the hospital and gone to the corporate offices for for the corporate billing. You've lost a lot of your your bargaining power. Now, what one of my friends did is he just waited until they sent him to collection and they called him and he and they said, well, you owe us, you know, twenty five hundred dollars. He said, I'll give you 20 cents on the dollar. And I got my credit card in my hand. I said, OK, <laughs> really? Because, <laughs> you know, they don't care. They're a collection agency. They get paid by what they bring in, not by what they should bring. In. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So the attorney said, uh, do you recall the time that you examined the body and the doctor on the witness stand said the autopsy started around 8.30 p.m. And Mr. Denton was dead at the time. Uh, if not, he was by the time I finished. <laughs> the attorney then is talking to another doctor on the stand. Doctor, before you performed the autopsy, did you check for a pulse? Doctor, no. Attorney, did you check for blood pressure? Doctor, no. Did you check for breathing? Doctor, no. So, then is it possible that the patient was alive when you began the autopsy? No. How can you be so sure, doctor? Doctor, because the brain was sitting on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love it, Ken. You got to love it. <laughs> All right. I love those. More jokes like that, doc. <laughs> You're making me laugh here too much. Yeah, you know, we've got some new alternatives to, to the cholesterol, the statin drugs that uh, that are so popular because there's a few of us that can't tolerate them. I can't take them, Ken. They make my muscles ache. Oh, my God, I can't even get out of a chair after a week. No of kidding, really. Yeah, and uh, so there's a new class of drugs that's come out. I'm sure they're going to be expensive as hell. Mm. And basically, they do the same thing, but they don't start working until they get into your liver. And I guess in, with that, it bypasses uh, some of the systemic effects. Uh, so there are uh, they're cousins of the statins, but uh, 
they're they're just as powerful and they don't have the side effects at least the muscle side effects now they'll probably still have some liver side effects and uh, i don't know if they're commercially available i think they are but uh, i'll have to get back to you on the names of those and they've been studied uh, fairly widely there's about 14,000 patients that they've studied with this and i think it's called uh next next letal by Esperian Nexlatol. So this is something that uh, you can ask your doctor about if you're able to afford it, because I'm, I'm guaranteeing you it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars a month for this stuff. Oh, well, your insurance company is not going to be pleased with that. No, you're in the, the pharmacy benefit managers, they're not going to go for that. But, but it's good to know that it's out there for those who really, really, really have to have it. And uh, they can't tolerate because, you know, there are some people who have these genetic diseases where they have really high cholesterol and they could be as skinny as a pencil. And there's just not a thing you can do about it. It's just uh, the genetics that they they can't clear out the uh, the bad cholesterol. Hmm. So th- that's a problem. But uh, we're getting there and in, in solving these problems. But, of course, anytime you have uh, that kind of of. Uh, burden and you only have a small number of people that you have to administer to the cost per patient is going to go way up because you know it's just it's just a, a economy of scale if you have a very small scale and a very costly item that you have to sell well guess what you go pay through the nose still costs about 20 million dollars to develop something like that oh are you kidding way more than that way more than 20 million now oh yeah and so we're all challenged with the health care costs. I mean, everybody, doctors, we're all complaining about it. And uh, about half of the U.S. says they are having difficulties affording their health care, Ken. Well, I believe that, sure. Even even the Medicare patients. Now, you can get these Medicare HMO plans, uh, but you're, you're not going to get the same level of care. But you'll still get the basic care that you need and... Uh, there's also that that uh, ability to see a, a specialist if you're having some bona fide problems and, and your doctor that's managing you thinks that it's a value. <clears throat> but I've heard a lot of managed care doctors, people in their 80s that have colon cancer or lung cancer. They just say, well, you know, there's not much we can do when there is now if you catch it at the right stage and uh, send them flowers and sympathy <laughs> cards and, and let them die. Oh, man. Uh, and uh, you, you say, well, that's that's really a horrible way to treat people, but <clears throat> I, I don't know how you keep costs down. The other problem with managed care is uh, it just shifts a lot of the the uh, the money out of the doctors and pockets and <laughs> into the the people that own the managed care company. Well, yeah, you've got another level of cost, right? Yeah, you've got another burden there. And this was all government made. This is all created by our own federal government. This is all right out of Dr. Kaiser's plan back in the 40s when he had his his clinics at his uh, ship factories on the coast. And what he would say is you pay a, a buck of a week and then you can get all the health care you need at the clinic. That's an HMO. Mm-hmm. And true. so that's that's what he and Richard Nixon were friends. You probably didn't know this. And Richard Nixon and Congress were fighting over uh, whether we should have a national health insurance plan or what. 
because you know Medicaid and Medicare were were fast bankrupting the country in the in the 70s and 80s, uh, and uh, and so they uh, agreed upon the HMO formula, and that's how we got it in, into play. And all these companies that started these HMOs, they didn't have to pay any taxes on anything they made, and they got incentives and all kinds of things for 20 to 25 years. That's not fair. Well, I'm getting close to trying to figure out what I have to do because I'm going to be 65 next year. So I've been thinking about just going on the Medicaid and uh, Medicare, rather, and just pay the difference. Pay the difference out of pocket, yeah. Well, you can get these secondary insurance plans with Medicare, and we have that. We've got that for for the wife and I. Just and, something to cover your drugs, don't you? It covers basic drugs. It covers it covers all of our basic drugs. But now, like my monoclonal antibody for my migraines, the uh, the Arunamab, the uh, Amavig is the is the brand name. We still paid several hundred dollars a month for that for one shot. That's expensive. That's expensive, but you know, I'd I'd cut off my arms if I could get rid of these migraines. Yeah, I wouldn't wish them on anybody. <clears throat> but they have cut down on my migraines, so I've gone from maybe fifteen a month to five a month, and that's treatable. And I can prevent that with the uh, with the new things like Ubralvi if I just take a little bit of that. If I take too much of that Ubralvi, though, Ken, I'm I'm knocked out for a day or two. That stuff really whacks me down. That expensive? So, yeah, you Bralby's expensive, but um, I've got an in with the drug rep. Okay. She likes me. It's nice to have friends, <laughs> yeah. And I like her. <laughs> so, but the other thing, too, is that uh, you don't realize how cheap generics are, like, for just like for Losartan, one of the common blood pressure medications I use, we can get a bottle of a hundred tablets for you know ten bucks. Now. I got I got thirty for nothing. Yeah, you get it for cheap. It's unbelievable how much things have fallen. But then you got the new stuff like the monoclonal antibodies. They're not cheap, Ken. <laughs> they are not cheap, and people are worried. You know, they hear about these things and they say, well. Maybe I can take this and I can survive my breast cancer a little bit longer. And then, then you go and you look at the cost of it, and you're like, "Holy crap! I can't afford that." So, yeah, you lose the house trying to save the life. Yeah, so you have to you have somewhere in there you have to find a balance, and uh, you have to say, "Is this worth it or not?" And what am I doing for my family and my community and the future and all that? I mean, I. I don't know what the answers are, but we certainly need to be working at uh, finding solutions to this health care uh, cost. It's just out of control, really. Speaking of health care, our question today deals with health care. This is for two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs, and our trivia question every week deals with something we talked about earlier in the show. And first caller at 877-969-8600 with the correct answer will win the mugs. That's 877-969-8600. The question is, what shot should you be updating every six months if you're over the age of 60? There you go. That's a call. Give us a call. What's our number? 877-969-8600. First one with the correct answer wins. 
All right, and Dr. Bill is at 727-384-6411 if you want to get that shot. There you go. And we'll, we'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. It was called Silicon Valley Bank, but its collapse is causing shockwaves around the world from California all the way to Europe. Companies and people are scrambling to figure out how to manage their finances after the bank suddenly shut down on Friday. In California, the bank was a longtime lender to the wine industry. They may be in trouble. Entrepreneurs in London in a panic as the U.K. branch shut down. And CEOs of startups worldwide are worried about making payroll now and whether they'll have to furlough workers. China has reappointed Yi Gang as head of the central bank in an effort to reassure entrepreneurs and financial markets by showing continuity at the top. And Kenyan police say two foreign tourists have died after the vehicle they were traveling in veered off the road and overturned in the Maasai Mara National Reserve. The dead were German and Swiss nationals. This is SRN News. In AM860, The Answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ Dunedin. By downloading The Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare Clinic, offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Daily mostly sunny with a high 81. Tonight mainly clear and warm with a low 74. Tomorrow partly sunny and breezy with a thunderstorm and a high 78. Tomorrow night mostly cloudy and cooler with a low 58. Tuesday sun through high clouds and a high 74. 
Wednesday, pleasant with intervals of clouds and sunshine and a high 73. That's your Accurate Weather Forecast. I'm Garrett Beck for AM 860, The Answer. And we're back. I'm Dr. Bill. Got Ken by my side. We're doing a radio show. We got about, what, 20 minutes left? Yeah, somewhere around there, about 25. 25, so we got some time to talk about things. By the way, you know, I wanted to make a point, Ken, which I forgot to make when I was talking about the SVG Bank failure. Um, and, and I think this is just good advice is at this point in time, uh, stay in short-term uh, cash. Don't don't go into long-term, not just yet. See which way the uh, Fed's going to go with their their interest rates. But uh, the other thing you can do is, is uh, bond funds and uh, T-bill funds because the fund managers will will use their little computers and formulas to try to get you the best deals and so you spread your risk out as well but uh diversify exactly yeah and, and what we've done with our money here in, in in our our homeowners association community is we've put uh enough for the current year's projects into a money market which is paying two or three percent and then we've got uh t-bills that are six month and 12 months so that they will mature as we need more money, and we can shift those over into the into the money market for the projects next year or the year after. So that's another way to do it is to ladder it, step it, you know, tear it up. So, but at any rate, that's that's my little homily. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a financial guy, but it makes is, sense. Is the medical industry relatively recession proof? Well, I'll tell you, when we had the bad recession in the 70s and I asked my dad how bad it was, he said, Billy, I'm getting I'm having people come in and offer to pay me in produce. Wow. What are you going to do with produce? I mean, you're a doctor. You don't have anywhere to store it. But I mean, he would take it and just give it away to his employees and all that. I mean, we're we're in a better position because people are going to continue to need health care. But you know, when things slowed down, uh, like in 08 and 09, I'd say we lost 30% of our of our employees. We just couldn't afford them, you know. So we're not recession-proof, but uh, we're recession-resistant. Let me put it like that. So people wait longer before they come and see you, I would think. They wait longer. Uh, They've and, lost their health care in a lot of instances because they're out of work, things like that. And they and they want to know if if uh, you can do anything to help them out. And of course, I'm I'm a softie, and I tell them yes. And then they go see the wife, and she says, "What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm giving you no break." <laughs> like, wait a minute, <laughs> honey. I thought we were on the same team here. <laughs> well, we got a winner, Doc. Who we got? We have Steve Dunnan. Steve Dunnan from um, Benelis Park. D-U-N-I-N? D-U-N-H-A-N. Dunham. Dunham. Yeah, oh, Dunham. Hey, Steve, thanks for listening, buddy. We we appreciate your support. And uh, it, it's I'm just amazed that people are actually listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, saw, I keep telling you, you're very popular. I saw one of my friends that uh, we had a staff meeting uh, Friday night, and I hadn't seen him in a while, Rakesh, and... Uh, he said, oh, yeah, I'll listen to you every Sunday. <laughs> he said, you're looking pretty good. I'm watching you on, on Facebook. It's easy to get. I'm like, Yahoo. So, Well, Steve, why not, too? Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mics, and we'll be sending those out to you. Thanks to everybody who called in and tried to win.
you you guys are wonderful and i appreciate you keep keep trying you might get one of these mugs they're beautiful so at any rate like i was saying earlier in the show physician services account for 14.4 percent of the health care cost in 2020 so that's not too bad we were all almost at 20 percent at one point so they're they're whacking away at us they're coming after us do people complain to you about the cost of medicare about this medicine in general Oh you, yeah, you hear a lot of complaints about that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's it's. A, I would never blame you for something like that. Well, uh, you know, I, look, I do better than most. Come on, I, you know, I'm I'm making a good living. I can't complain. But but you got to realize, I work my butt off too. I mean, it's if you think about an office. Let's say you want to go home with, say, two hundred fifty thousand a year, and you say, well, that's a lot of money, Doc. If you're working three thousand hours uh, a year. Uh, that's, you know, that's like $75 an hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you have to think about that because you, you not only have to generate 250,000, you're going to have to generate another, uh, 250 to 500,000 to pay your overhead. So you're, you're talking about a lot of work and a lot of responsibility and, you know, you're hiring, uh, a small office like Matt, like mine, we have, you know, five or six employees plus a wife and I. And then you have uh, all the uh, extraneous things that come along, like you have to uh, buy goods, so you're keeping, uh, you know, a, a medical supply company in business. You're buying your medications. Uh, you got to repair the building. You never know when you're going to need a deep freezer. You're going to need a deep freezer. You got the electricity. I mean, a minus eighty degree freezer uses more electricity, obviously, than a than your kitchen refrigerator would. But it's probably something you never thought you'd have until COVID showed up. No. And, uh, you know, you had to go. We were fortunate that uh, one of the guys, one of the groups down the street had that minus 80 freezer that they had used for a research project, and they had left it plugged in for four or five years, and they're like, yeah, please take it. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, please, somebody come and get this thing. <laughs> But we still had to buy the minus 20 degree freezer because we couldn't keep the Moderna in the minus 80. There's and, quite a bit of cost associated with your business. Yeah, yeah it goes on and on. And, and uh, you would think that uh, malpractice insurance would be a big problem. Actually, that's one of the least expensive parts of the practice now. It's, well, that's changed. It used to be pretty pretty darn tough to get the insurance paid for from what I've, my doctor friends that I've talked to. Well, yeah, but, you know, what happened is um, when the state initially passed this law years back that uh, they were going to cap the awards at 250 for uh, for damages, financial damages, and 750 for pain and suffering, and then the Florida Supreme Court threw that out. In the interim, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the attorneys that were taking these cheaper cases said – or taking these cases said, well, this is just not enough money here anymore for 250 because it cost them a couple hundred thousand to do their due diligence and get to court on a, on a good case. So any rate, so then they said, well, we'll just go after the bigger stuff. But by then all the doctors had, had uh, decreased the amount of malpractice they carry to 250 per, per claim and 750 total aggregate. So then the, the attorneys are like, well, damn, <laughs> Where'd all that good insurance money go? It went out the door, buddy boy. <laughs> it ain't there no more. And so uh, 
you know, there's things that happen that change the landscape considerably. And I, I think that we're, we're fortunate uh, to have been able to decrease the cost of malpractice insurance. But of course, it's come at a, 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 at a, a, a price to those who may have deserved uh, to receive a lot of money for damages. But that's very, very few. Most of, the, most of those suits are bogus, are they not? Most of the well, you know, that shifted over into the uh, into the auto accident. You know, the the uh, personal injury cases and the workman's comp. That's where the big money for mm. for the lawyers now is personal injury. That's how Morgan and Morgan made it up to the top of the ladder. Sure, and then with the drivers we have in Tampa, that's probably a pretty lucrative business to be in. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure that they're you know they've got their own jet and the whole family is doing extremely well. Yeah. Now I don't know what kind of family they are, but uh, rich, <laughs> rich, <laughs> rich, <laughs> very rich, yeah. and off suing people. <laughs> I've given a deposition before on one of their attorneys, and he was in private practice, and I said. Well, what happened? You just couldn't make it. He said, no, there just isn't enough money and, and being solo. So I went into this and they're paying me better than I've ever gotten paid. Well, that's marketing. And, yeah, that's marketing. And it's also uh, cornering the market. Yeah, and, you see them everywhere. So, Oh, yeah, they're all over. You can see their signs all over the eastern United States. I mean, it's shocking. I'm be driving through Louisville, Kentucky or Knoxville, Tennessee, and there's a Morgan and Morgan sign. Well, they must have offices on cross-country by now, I guess. Yeah. Well, another problem that's coming up, though, that's really got me worried, Ken, there's this man in Maryland. He was sentenced to life for cold case rape and murder that was committed in 1982. And they caught up with him. They caught up with another guy, but he was already dead. But this guy has gone to prison. And, uh, you know, the, the DNA, uh, the genetic testing has gotten so good that they're tracking these guys down 40 and 50 years after the fact. And what worries me is I'm wondering if there's going to be like some some young adults show up at my door and say, hey, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Here's my test. <laughs> I have that fear every Father's Day. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's the problem with a misspent youth. That's right. <laughs> but it was fun. And then the consumer price index. I was curious about this. You know, you, you try to figure out some of these financial things and what they mean, and it drives you nuts when you're when you're working and looking at all this, and you're reading these uh, these stories in, in the Wall Street Journal and and uh, online news and all that. And the CPI actually measures the monthly change in prices paid by U.S. consumers. And they take a whole bucket full of different things, a, a basket of goods and services representative of the uh, average consumer spending. And, you know, they base it, you know, when they started the uh, the baseline is the, the the 100 mark is 1984, which I did not know. I thought it was much earlier than that. I think they redid it. I think when Reagan came in and Volcker uh, was in, which, by the way, Jimmy Carter put Volcker in place. Volcker was the Federal Reserve chairman who uh, jacked up the interest rates so high that none of us could afford to buy a new house. And uh, But he, he calmed the economy down. I mean, the 70s was a bad, bad decade. Yes, it was. Worst financial economic decade in my lifetime. Remember, Nixon tried price freezes. That didn't work. 
No, that didn't. That just made, that just added to stagflation. Yeah. And now we're back in that same boat where where they're they're trying to control the economy by pushing up the interest rates and slowing everything down. But there's still high employment and there's still a lot of cash around. But what's happening is there's no uh, there's no capital expenditures. A capital expenditure, Ken, is when you go out and buy a new piece of equipment that has a lifespan greater than a year. So let's say I need a new blood counter in my office and I'm going to amortize it over five years. That means I get to deduct so much off of my taxes uh, as an operating expense. Uh, then I don't go out and do that because the cost of money is too high. Well, if the cost of money is too high and I'm not buying that, then there are companies that are going to not make money and uh, or they're going to have to push up the cost of those goods because they're not selling enough of them. And so that's called uh, stagflation, when the economy becomes stagnant and slows down, but inflation continues to go on. And and Nixon and well, you know, nobody understood it. I mean, we're still learning about economies. We're getting better, but they didn't have the computer models back then that we have now. What did interest rates get up to back then? Like twenty one percent, something like that. Did well, they get I, that high? I think that the the Fed fund got up to about twelve percent, which. Oh. The uh, that certainly pushed the uh, the credit card up to 21, 24 percent because you know they really they have they put a big vig on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it wasn't uh, wasn't a good time. No, and uh, I remember my my friend uh, my my college and medical school buddy. I was complaining to him about um, the federal government and my student loan and all that, and he said, Bill. Never underestimate the stupidity of your federal government. <laughs> <laughs> and that stuck with me all my life. <laughs> I love it. So at any rate, the Consumer Price Index measures the overall change in consumer prices based on a representative basket of goods and services. This is the most widely used measure of inflation, and it's quoted by everybody. But don't they leave the uh, gas prices and the food prices out of that because they're too volatile, they say? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, th I think that they, uh, they, they bring in a certain percentage of that. But, uh, the, I don't, you know, the gas prices they might leave out, but the food prices, I don't see how they can leave that out. I mean, that's, that's so uh, basic and ubiquitous. But volatile right now, especially. And, but you know, one of the main uh, uh, indicators they use are housing rents. For the change in shelter cost. Yeah, well, that then they'll push that way up. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then the, you know this is a big problem too because as the housing industry is affected by the rising interest rates, you just don't realize how many people are dependent upon housing industry, the building of new homes, the renovation. The we just had uh, four driveways poured uh, concrete here at, at, in our condo in our townhome association. And, uh, you know, it, it took, uh, it took a few days to get it done. One day guy came in with his, uh, with his, uh, piece of equipment, his track hoe or whatever, and pulled up the old crack driveway and he had to haul that off. He had to make a trip for each driveway, Ken, one driveway filled up his, his dump truck. And so that that guy he he made a good living that day, but he's got his equipment to keep up. He's got his his dump truck. He's got his other trucks, and of course he had to have a helper with him. 
And then uh, the next day, a, a crew came in and formed everything up. And so that was several guys. And then the day that they poured, there, there must have been eight other men there, as well as the contractor and his brother. And uh, then you had the concrete pump guy. I mean, you don't think about all these people because you, you can't just uh, take your chute and, and put it out there. It'll be a mess. It goes all over. So they used the concrete pump, which is a big hose, and the, the concrete truck backs up to the concrete pump, and the concrete truck chute goes uh, directly into the hopper of the concrete pump. The concrete pump is a gas-driven motor, and uh, they pump that out, so you got to pay the the, uh, the the concrete pump guy, he's got his equipment to keep up. And there's people that are dependent upon working on his equipment, and uh, it just it just trickles on down, as Ronnie used to say. Down. And then you've got the, and then you you had uh, four, three or four truck drivers that came, because you know you can only get about nine yards of concrete in in a truck, and I think we ended up pouring 27, 26, 27 yards of concrete. So that's almost three trucks. Maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Well, I, it, I just got a note from uh, Captain, Captain Matt. What's Captain have to say? Captain Matt tells me that I was pretty much on the money. Gas, food, and utilities are not covered in the CPI. Can you think of three more volatile areas that should be in there? Absolutely. Gas, food, and utilities. So, I did not know that. So, actually, the, the inflation rate's probably higher than what we're seeing. Much higher, probably, yeah. I mean, they're saying it's at 6 plus percent right now and they're counting on it dropping down to three over the next 12 months we'll see what happens it's all political they don't really care they just want the number down it's all (laughs) stupidico i think you just made up a new word i did that's a stupidico when the government and uh and problems intersect (laughs) i love that stupidico we had a stupidico year this year. <laughs> we got to make we got to get that on the internet and see if it goes viral. It probably will. <laughs> At some point, I got to go viral. Somebody's got to notice me out there in the in the greater big world. Well, you're on Facebook right now, are you not? I am, and YouTube, and uh, DrBillRadioMD.com, and and of course, Captain Matt's listening, so that's important. We always love it when the captain chimes he, in. He's, uh, he's uh, on top of everything. He's our man on the spot. But <laughs> he is. The only problem is, is he only talks between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. I'm sleeping <laughs> then, dude. <laughs> he's a creature tonight. That's a special audience. <clears throat> They're very, uh, very loyal listeners when you work overnight. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he's got a lot of truck drivers, a lot of night shift workers. Sure, a lot of cops, a lot of firemen. Oh, yeah. Everybody's up all night long. Yep. So at any rate, you might have also wondered what the overnight Fed fund is. The uh, the Federal Open Market Committee sets these uh, prices. They're actually the interest on loans between banks. So let's say that um, I'm out to dinner. You and I are out to dinner and I forgot my wallet and I need a hundred bucks. And I say, well, I'll pay you tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday. And you say, okay, here's a hundred dollars. And then you say, don't worry about interest. Well, you know, <laughs> that's not how banks stay in business. <laughs> that's right. So they charge each other. And then when they borrow money from the federal reserve, 
or, or, or actually they don't borrow it from the Federal Reserve. They borrow it from uh, other entities and the Federal Reserve will will insure uh, these loans the same way as the SBA. You don't borrow money from the SBA. You go to an SBA bank. They just guarantee it, right. Yeah, and all they do is guarantee. It's like a, a, a mortgage uh, guarantee, a mortgage in, uh, insurance. So they push it up to about four and a half to four point seven five, and and you say, well, that's a lot of money. Well, you have to annualize it, and you realize that you're you're not talking about a lot of money when you divide that by twelve. But still, uh, you know that that starts to add on to the cost of doing business. And it eats into the profits of this of the banks that get into trouble, like SV, like the uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, that uh, when they had to go out and borrow money, uh, people were like, "Well, you're going to be able to pay us back, and if you are, here's the vig. And when can we get our money back?" And so then the other banks said, "We ain't making you loans. You're going under, dude." To do so would be stupico. And yeah, it would be stupico. And then the feds had to step in. <laughs> The, the stupicos who actually caused the whole crisis to be in. <laughs> now, I don't know if they caused it. They're just one cog in the in the wheel of, uh, of whatever chaos is going on. All right. Well, I think we're going to go viral. I already got one text from a friend of mine that says, Stupico, that's the way to go. There you go. He's, so let's he get likes that it. He there. likes it. Let's get that viral. All right. Stupico. Stupidico. Tough Stupid-co. to say. Stupidico. Stupidico. Stupid. Yeah, that's right. Spot. You got to put the this right. You got to put the accent in the right spot. Stupid. You got to put it in the right spot. Stupidico. Oh, just hit the microphone. Fell right. Well, one good thing is that India is wary of China, so they're trying to expand their trade ties with the West, and this is a good thing, and maybe this will help in the long run. And I've always said that uh, India, I think, in the long run, will be the bigger power than China because they're a democracy, and although they move slower, and it's you know it's it's lugubrious and and uh, difficult to get everybody to agree on what to do, and there's still a lot of corruption in India. I think that they will eventually uh, continue to, or not eventually, but they will continue to grow. And I'm, I'm confident that they're going to be. They already are a big power now. You know, they're num- the number five economy in the world, and they have a pretty good sized military. They have the largest army in the world. And they have the fourth or fifth largest navy. Could this be the next hotspot for locating, you know, gabble plants, things like that? Well, I think there's a lot of people that have looked at India, and the problem that they're running into is the the level of corruption. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chinese have corruption, but uh, the uh, the Communist Party has the ability to go in and shut you down at any time. And uh, that that's not true in India. The government cannot or they do not have that power. Or if they do, you can pay them off. Okay. And so uh, there's there's a lot of, uh, of fear and skepticism of going into India, but they'd still produce a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of our generic medications come from India, a lot of them. And and that's good, you know, because they can produce them cheaper and uh, as long as the our FDA is in there looking at their operations, which it does, and making sure that they meet the same standards that our our operations do, then we have a, a good source of inexpensive medications. So I'm all for helping India out, uh, but they're still on the fence about Russia. That's the problem, see. But they want it both ways. You know that you know, and they're they're gradually moving away from Russia, but they feel a lot of uh, 
a lot of empathy and, and uh, a lot of ties to Russia because the Russians were supportive of them in, in their early democracy in the 50s. You know, uh, Nehru was a socialist, and he admired the Russians. Well, we got about 30 seconds here before this show is over, Doc. I just want to thank the captain, by the way, for sending that information in. Get to CaptainsAmericaThirdWatch.com and visit the website and streaming and everything. What's that word we just made up? Stupidico? Stupidico. Stupidico. All right, hang on to that, everybody. I'm Dr. Bill, your radio MD. (laughs) I'm at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. I am your full-service clinic. Come on in and get your COVID booster, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, Doc. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 